كله زي الفل انت عامل ايه؟ كله كويس كله كويس الحمد لله كله كله تمام انت انا معلش اتلخبطت في في الوقت افتكرت مش عارف ليه افتكرت الساعه اتلخبطت في التايم زونز حقك على ايه؟ بتحصل كتير عادي عادي ايوه ايوه خلاص جميل جميل الو الو ايوه سامعك كده تمام الصوت كان الصوت كان راح ورجع تاني اوكي اوكي ان شاء الله انا النت عندي كويس ان شاء الله الحوار ده ما حصلش تاني انا عامه عندي موضوع كده في زوم ساعات الصوت راح تاني الو اه كده رجع رجع كده هو صوتي بيروح خالص وبعد كده يرجع اه الاوديو راح ودلوقتي رجع تاني راح تاني الو 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 مش سامع الو كيف سمعني؟ الو 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 سامعني اسف اه سامعك كده كده كويس صح؟ اه كده احسن بكتير خلاص تمام واللي انا عملته و... ان انا دخلت من موبايلي وهخلي ال هخلي الزوم كده فالفيديو هيبقى على اللابتوب والاوديو صوتك اوضح وصوتك اوضح حلو قبل كده كان يعني دلوقتي... كنت حاسس في باك جراوند نويز كتير طيب لا خلاص كده تمام انا عندي مشكله عامه في اللابتوب بتاعي في زوم بقى فتره بس هوبفلي لا لا كده اتس ذس جوز ويل خلاص بيرفكت اللي انا كنت بساله لك تحب كايند اوف جو اوفر احنا عايزين نتكلم عن ايه ولا نخش في الموضوع على طول اند جاست تيك ات فروم ذير as you wish and انت يو ار ذا يو ار ذا بوس انت هاو ايفر يو يعني ات از انا معاك خلاص I love just jumping right in and kind of just keeping the conversation wrong. خلاص amazing. 
Okay, so I'll, I'll start. Helmi, thank you for coming out on Talassan's podcast. Um, I'm grateful that you agreed to join this podcast. So again, thank oh, you for my that. My pleasure, my pleasure, my pleasure. Uh, Yamil, uh, so Helmi, I always start, I always want to start by asking uh, whoever I'm, I'm, I'm hosting on the podcast <clears throat> about their life. Uh, so I wanted to ask you, Yanni, you're a Guinness World Record holder, environmental engineer. Uh, you are in the in the environmental scene in Egypt for, for a long time now where it hasn't been that big there um, in the last Masan, five years, but you've been around. So I kind of wanted to ask you, um, what, is, what, your, what is your life experience? To, to get kind of where you are right now, and uh, what kind of intrigued you or made you decide to, to look at our earth like, like that? And uh, was there like a moment that made you think like, Anna, Anna, uh, my, my life should be all about kind of like sustainable or like environmentally uh, conscious uh, ideas. So what, what was it that kind of got you where you are today? Well, it was, Yanni. Yeah, in my opinion, it's 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 yani, purely serendipitous uh, and chance. Uh, 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 yani, if, if I'm gonna go back to uh, yani, maybe ten years to when I was in university, uh, which I think was the start or the spark of 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 uh, what got me interested in 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 nature and the environment and sustainability and in in all these things uh, when i used to go to university uh, everyone would take the i was i went to university in canada uh, in montreal okay. in montreal so so uh, during the winter it was very cold uh, uh, everyone wanted to take the metro to uh, university. Uh, so, uh, Anna, I didn't, yeah, I wasn't a big fan of the metro. It was crowded. Uh, I, I liked the idea of the cold uh, that I wanted to experience uh, a temperature that I have never experienced before. Uh, and I was all about experiences. I, I wanted to experience new things. Amazon, let's say that the temperature went down to negative 40. I would go out just to feel what negative 40 is. Uh, as a way of yeah, learning about the world. Yeah. Uh, fa, fa, during winter, everyone would, would be using the metro, but Sana, I was really interested in yeah, the weather and, and just, you know, I was very excited to be in Canada and experiencing these new things. So I'd walk. I would walk to, to campus, which was maybe around 20 minutes, uh, 20 minute walk. Uh, not that far, but in yeah, negative 30, you get it was... Um, uh, yeah, and he, my friends would say I, and I was crazy doing it. Crazy for uh, me. <laughs> yeah, for, for walking 20 uh, uh, minutes in the negative 30, and I, I, I wouldn't be wearing the goose or anything like that. Uh, I was a big fan of wool, um, and uh, I was just wear three layers of wool. I would wear wool, you know, as a base layer, wood as a mid layer, and wood as a jacket. Um, so anyway, I'd, I'd be I'd be walking to university uh, in the winter, and 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 and, uh, and the winter turned into summer, and I'm like, uh, every, everyone was using bikes instead of walking. So I'm like, why why don't I use a bike uh, to go to university? It'd be quicker 
and at the same time I can go around the city and explore more. So I was a student, so I didn't have, you know, a big uh, allowance. Uh, yes. You know, I was, I was, uh, I was still studying, uh, so I couldn't afford a bike uh, straight away. So I had to uh, kind of buy the bike like part by part every month. So, so I started out by buying the frame, and then I'd buy the wheels, and then I'd buy the, the handlebar until I over uh, four months I put together a bicycle which i was just watching youtube videos and 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 doing it uh, you know by hand and if anything i didn't know how to do i'd go to the shop and and and, and they'd help me out so i built my own bicycle and and i'd just go I'd, I'd start going to university with it i'd go around you know do, the, do my groceries uh and then slowly slowly i started doing uh you know larger distances to you know areas outside of the city to the next and then they turned to the next city and then I'd be going on these weekend trips with my bicycle travel like 30 40 kilometers out of town spend the night and then come back and I'm, I'm, I felt very free uh, and uh, uh, you know I was very happy that I was using the bicycle as you know it opened up my way to travel uh, which I also like to do um, and it was basically like free travel because I wasn't, you know, paying for a bus or a ticket or anything. I was just going yes. around Montreal for free on my bike. Uh, and then I started thinking, like, what, what if I do longer, even longer distances than just like 40, 50 kilometers? Why, why don't I go to, to you know, a, a, a town that's pretty far that could take me the whole way to go? Um so my sister was studying in Italy and, and uh, I went there, I took my bike and I decided, I, I visited her, I stayed with her for a little bit and then I decided to, to cycle uh, from Rome until Milan. Uh, wow. Yeah, which was, which was at the time, it was around like 600 kilometers, but to me it was like, oh my God, this is, you know, huge, big, such a big deal and, and like, what am I going to do? And so I started to, to, to plan it and, um, and, uh, you know, I, I was really interested in travel, so I wanted to see Italy. Um, and at, the, at that time, I was really into, you know, human power. Uh, so after I built the bike with, you know, on my own, I got this kind of confidence that, like, you know, humans can kind of do. You know, I, I built a bike just by watching YouTube videos, and I didn't think I could. Um, and then I took my bike, you know, 40 kilometers. So I just had this kind of confidence where I, I just believed in, in human uh, capabilities and, and what a human is, is, is capable of. And I, saw, and I started reading these books about, you know, early humans and, and explorers and, and what they went through to kind of discover new things and discover not just places, but things that people can do. Uh, uh, that uh, they thought they previously couldn't. So I was very inspired by these stories. So anyway, went to Italy uh, and uh, I started my cycling to Milan, from Rome to Milan, which is around 600 kilometers. And I ended up, you know, finishing it, which I didn't think I could. Uh, I did it in around two weeks. So I was like doing around 50 kilometers a day. And then I arrived and I remember being like, oh my God, I just crossed half of Italy on my bike. Uh, this is crazy. Like I couldn't, I never in a million years I thought I could do this. Uh, just crazy. cycle across half a country. And then, you know, Milan was really up north. 
So it was really close to Switzerland and I, and I could see the Swiss border. And I'm like, if I just had another two days, I could have been in Switzerland. I could do multiple countries. So, so then I came back and I was super inspired. I was still in, I went back to, to, to university and, and in my last year and I was super inspired by, you know, what I have accomplished, what I thought I could do. Um, and, you know, I'm like, I'm going to travel like this, you know, my, for my graduation trip, I'm going to, you know, travel all, all, all around Europe uh, on my bicycle, take the whole continent this time. Um, and uh, and uh, I was just super inspired by my own personal accomplishment of this physical feat, as well as, you know, uh, because I love travel and, and I was really interested in nature at the time, I, I also be, became intrigued about, hey, the bicycle can be used as a form of transportation, not just, you know, going to university or going to your shop, but it could be used to travel multiple, con con you know, con like across the whole continent without using gas, you know, without, without, you know, without using basically without polluting the environment and yeah. not just polluting the environment, you're, 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 you're bettering yourself as well because you're, you're doing like a physical activity. So it's good for fitness. So I was just like, this is perfect. I'm traveling. It's not as expensive because I'm, I'm, I'm saving everything on, on the transportation costs, which are the most expensive. I'm not using any gas. I'm becoming fitter, you know, I'm building more muscle and, and having better uh, endurance. Uh, and I'm seeing things that I don't think I would have seen if I used a bus or anything because I'm passing through all these villages and small cities and, and towns and, 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 you know, I'm seeing the real country, not just big cities. Um, and on top of that as well, even if I was traveling with, let's say, a car, Okay, an electric car. Okay, just to, to get something more sustainable, I would still be enclosed in that car, and I wouldn't have the luxury of of of, of smelling and uh, feeling. Uh, you know, like on the bike, you smell everything. You're outdoors, so I'm smelling everything. I'm I'm feeling the wind and the different temperatures, and you are just outside you are not in an enclosed environment so it was just i just found it fascinating just everything about it was perfect so from that i went i, I crossed europe uh, from north to south i started in norway and above the arctic circle um in the summer so it was 24 hours of sunlight there and i went all the way down to spain to uh, um, to tarifa which is the southernmost point of europe yeah. so i crossed the whole continent from the northern northern to the southern in maybe around 3 months um, and i'm like wow this is amazing i can't wait to to travel the whole world like this uh, and i became even more fascinated about you know nature environment sustainability and everything because of all the things i mentioned before so I came back to Egypt. I, I, I worked a little bit. Uh, and by, by pure chance, my family business is involved in uh, dredging, which is basically a concept which is used for like um, protecting coastlines from climate change, um, cleaning up rivers and lakes and things like this. There's it's, it's lots of multiple uh, different applications for dredging, but it was it's, it's an environmental um, uh, 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 like business, uh, so I came back. I worked with them a little bit, and I and I and I got a bit more experience uh, 
in the environmental field from a job perspective, like well, the effects of climate change, what's happening to our coastlines, uh, the Mediterranean coastline is going to be shifting back, the lakes around the uh, all in the in the delta are all shrinking. Uh, it's just a bunch of problems that are that that are happening that we're aware of, uh, and the solutions for it to, for you know to solve all this. Um, so after that, uh, uh, after that, uh, I worked a little bit in, in that field, and I, I decided that I wanted to to travel again. And, and on my bike, I'd missed it, and and uh, um, so I prepared another trip to go to Asia, um, to to uh, to travel around Asia on my bike. So I did the same. Um, as I did in Europe, uh, but I did it in Asia. Um, went through seven different countries uh, in Southeast Asia, so many different cultures, and 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 you know, saw different, uh, uh, tasted different foods. You know, met a lot of different people. And then after I did that, uh, I've been so used to traveling with my bike. I you know I just couldn't travel without my bike anymore. And I was still also curious about human power and human capabilities, which I was talking about before, uh, about what I feel I personally can achieve physically. Um, and at the time, I had started talking to, um, I was in Canada, so, you know, it was cold there and snow. And, and oh. one of the things that I was doing there was, was cross-country skiing. Uh, so I wasn't just doing the bicycle, but I was also, you know, I found it uh, interesting that cross-country skiing, uh, you know, cross-country skiing, of course, right? Of course, yeah. It's, yeah, it's very yeah. interesting. I tried it yeah. once. I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> everyone a snowboarder. Yeah, everyone yeah, does a lot there. of people. Everyone. Especially, especially when there's no mountains. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's in the flats, exactly. yeah, yeah. Exactly, so on the flats. So I, I was doing there, I was doing that uh, a lot, basically. Um, and I really liked it and I, I wanted to continue it. So I had been talking with this like guy in Sweden who coaches people from like non-traditional ski countries to like, you know, do it, do, do it better and like get to a kind of like an Olympic level. So one of, one of my goals was to kind of like, uh, uh, get qualified into the winter Olympics to, to have Egypt into the winter Olympics for the first time because we don't have snow. So like, doesn't make sense that we're in the winter olympics but i just wanted to, <laughs> yeah. to to like qualify us you know just I, I didn't care about winning i just wanted to just get in it and have egypt's name in it so by pure chance this guy this coach he was also doing cycling so like uh, he loved cycling as well and and um, and uh, 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 and when I met him for like the, to, to help me with the skiing, we started talking, we found ourselves just talking about cycling, not skiing. So it turned out that he had crossed the U the U S on bike and like, he was doing all these crazy things on the bicycle as well. So we just connected straight away. And, uh, we decided that, you know, we should do like a little bike trip together and, uh, not just a normal bike trip, but something that, you know, uh, we were looking at, you know, crossing Europe again and, and how a lot of people do it every year. So we're looking at what's the fastest that it has ever been done. So we found the world record for it, the Guinness world record for it. And we decided, Hey, I think we, we can break this. Uh, it's doable if we, if we plan it right and, and everything it's, it's pretty doable. 
So we decided to to do that, and um, and we gathered the team. We were a team of five, and uh, we we were doing it to raise awareness about child autism because one of our team members, his, his son, had autism. So we were raising money for his charity. Um, so then I crossed uh, uh, Europe from east to west in fastest time. We broke the record. Um, and I came back to Cairo. I was even more inspired. I'm like, hey, I, you know, I was, I was uh, barely doing 40 kilometers a day when I first started this. And now I'm doing 230 kilometers every day and I'm breaking records and I'm not even sport, sporty. And, and like, how did this all come to be? And like, I, just, I was just super inspired of where I am in life and what am I doing and what's there to be in the future and, 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 and these kind of things. So I came back and uh, I really wanted to do something again. Uh, by the way, if you have any questions or anything, you can. I, I, I am, I am listing yeah. them down. I'm just, yeah. I have so many yeah. questions. <laughs> yeah. So, so, um, so after I came back, I'm, I'm, you know, super inspired by everything. And then I'm like, I, I, I want to do something again, human power, sustainable, no gas, same concept, you know, like uh, of my previous trips, but I said, I don't want to use the bike. Anymore. Uh, I want to do something different. The bike has started becoming really popular in Egypt. A lot of people have been, you know, going around Egypt with bikes and, and so forth. So I, so I didn't want to be redundant. So I said, what's, you know, the most basic form of, you know, travel from a person just walking or like, you know, going from one place to another, you know, how, how, what's the most basic form for someone to do that? And then I just figured that it's walking. If I want to go from, from, from here to here, yeah, it's simply walking. There's nothing more basic than that. Everyone does it, you know, uh, and it's the most sustainable thing. You're just taking yourself from here to there. You, you're not, neither a bike, neither anything, uh, nothing, you know, literally zero, zero, footprint. literally nothing. It's nothing. <laughs> yeah. So, so I decided, Hey, I'm gonna walk across Egypt. So, uh, so I said, I'm going to gather a team, uh, and, uh, I, I gathered the team and, and it took a while and, and made sure we had a, a woman with us as well for, you know, diversity and everything. Um, and, uh, we set, uh, our goal to cross Egypt, uh, on foot walking from Aswan to Cairo. Uh, and, uh, same as well as my previous things in the matter of what I like to have like a physical uh, goal as well, like human power kind of goal. So I said, we're, we're going to do an average of a marathon a day. So we were going to walk an average. We're going to walk a marathon every day, basically, uh, so to keep things, you know, pushing ourselves, keep us pushing ourselves. Yeah. Uh, and same as my last one last thing that i was doing it for a cause so we were uh, uh working with the unfpa and uh, which deal with uh population growth as you know egypt has a large population and it's growing yeah. rapidly uh, and it's actually impacting things like pollution and 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 sustainability and things like that because we have so many cars right. we have so, many, so much waste and and all that. So the government is trying to um, basically 
let people plan their family better. So uh, instead of having six to seven kids, you should have two to three kids, for example. So we were going around talking about all these things, about population, about um, uh, family planning, about gender equality, and about also some, you know, really uh, 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 sensitive topics uh, and uh, in, in, in basically Southern Egypt, like FGM and, and the child marriages and yeah, and, uh, yeah things that are, are big problems. Uh, so we ended up walking the whole thing and we'd be stopping and giving these... Um, uh, 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 like speeches in these different villages about these issues and um, and yeah and we crossed that just and, bringing uh, awareness to yeah that's exactly that's, that's raising awareness about about these these yeah. issues basically and we'd get into conversations with with the local people there about um, and uh, and yeah so we we finished it we we crossed the. Uh, to, like from a swan to Cairo and none of us could believe it and yeah on, and, foot. And we, we, on foot we walked the whole way and, <laughs> and it, it's still like you know it's been maybe what two three years now since we did it it's still like I'm still like did I actually do it yeah I did and like uh, even now uh, it's such a surreal experience and I um, bet I bet and yeah and yeah, and furthered my belief in, in, you know, and along the way we'd be walking, we'd get, you know, the cars would be, the exhaust would be, you know, if there's smoke coming out, we'd inhale it to walk, because we were walking like on, on the, on the side streets, basically on the, the pavement. Road, yeah. Yeah. On the road. So, so, uh, uh, so the car, we were sharing the space with the cars. So you actually realize a lot how much, pollution you're 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 inhaling uh because because you're on the car on the street with them and how much pollution there is generally and you're just walking around and you're seeing garbage everywhere every single step yeah that taken, must be crazy yeah every single step taken along the whole road there was some sort of rubbish you know so and not to mention the rubbish in the nile so, so it just, it, it, and, you know, not to mention that I saw a lot of wildlife as well. So the mixture itself, I'm like, Hey, there's so much it's trash, uh, you know, and, and it's such a shame because that area in Egypt is very beautiful. Very, uh, it's very green. Yeah, yeah, it's very green, and, and and there are areas where the, there are these like mountains really close to the Nile, and it's just very, very, very nice area. Uh, very calm, and you feel like, and it's spoiled by trash, trash in the Nile, uh, pollution from the cars, and I, like I said, I saw a lot of wildlife, and I'm like. What's the effect on, the, on you know of these things on the wildlife? What's what's They're happening? Probably ingested. Uh, ingested, get stuck in it. Uh, yeah. There's a lot, a lot of different uh, things that that can happen. Um, so uh, so it also got me to focus a little bit on wildlife as well, wildlife conservation, uh, which is one of my next projects as well that I'm working on right now. Um, okay, amazing. I, I wanted to ask you, so how long, how was the, what was the longest time were you on the road? Uh, like once. For, at once? Three yeah, like, like, I mean, yeah, three months. So that's when you were going from west to east in Europe? 
uh, no, that that's, north north, that's north to south in Europe. That took me three months. And also Asia took me three months. So can you walk me through like how your day goes? So you have a backpack, you have your tent, your sleeping bag, and you're just cycling and then you get tired. You pick up your tent or do you stay in like places throughout and like towns? It depends. Uh, like so how does it go? It depends. It's a mix. So, so um, if like, let's say in Norway, in, in, the, in the very start, the distance from each city to city was over 200 kilometers. Okay. And at the time, I, could, I wasn't able to do 200 kilometers a day. And now I can, but at the time, I couldn't. Uh, I, w- I was only able to do 100. So I would just cycle until my maximum. And then I'd stop. I had my sleeping bag and my tent. I'd pitch my tent, I'd sleep, and I'd have, I'd, you know, uh, I'd ration for the day that I know I'm going to camp in. Uh, to have snacks and food. I'd sleep, I'd wake up and continue on the bike. Others, okay, which, so. let, yeah, others, which let's say, uh, I would try and, and, and basically as much as I can to travel from a city to a city or from a village to a village. So I started a village and ended a village. Uh, that way uh, I have food options. I can eat and Sometimes I hosts sometimes find locals. They'd be like, "Hey, well, where are you coming from? I'm coming from over there. Oh, you're cycling. You've been cycling for a month. Hey, come stay at my place. I'll make you food. I'll make you tea. I'll have Amazing. a shower. So you get I'll to connect with people. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So then I, I'd stay at people's uh, places. Uh, I stayed a lot. Let's say maybe at like a lot of different people's uh, places. Uh, and uh, if at any point, like let's say one time in Spain, I arrived to this village, tiny village in Spain, and it was their like national day or something for that village, not for the whole of Spain, but for that village. Uh, and there was like in Spain, usually there they have like these, uh, uh, they call it like a pensione, which is like a, a small guest house above the the neighborhood or like the local village bar so it's basically like uh, the only rooms in the whole village was probably like five rooms i think were taken because of this national day and i had to camp out basically outside the city uh so it was a mixture of of you know sometimes that yeah okay yeah sometimes this sometimes that uh depends on uh, the situation and uh I, I usually make the decision on the spot you know if i find something i can stay in i can if someone gives me an invitation i'll take it if i can't then i just can't so okay okay amazing amazing i am actually like so i i did not think i only thought you did like one trip in europe and that was kind of like where you got there. I didn't realize you've been doing it for so long, especially when you talked about doing that in Montreal. I did my university in Winnipeg, which is a little bit colder than Montreal, but not too much. Like I, I know the negative 30 and the negative 35. And I would, like, if I walk outside for like 20 minutes, I'm just like, I'm done, right? I'm just, there's ice everywhere on my mustache, on my beard. So it's, uh, it's very, uh, it's amazing how you kind of got into that, in the cold, being an Egyptian coming from Egypt to Montreal, and then just loving it. Whereas uh, I think most people say that most people, when they do get through winter, they're just like, they're not that impressed. 
by the winter in Canada because it is very cold, especially in cities like Montreal and uh, and Winnipeg. So amazing, amazing. I'm just yeah, I, I cannot believe it's 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 amazing what you did, like amazing achievements, great job. <laughs> um, so I kind of wanted to ask you. You talked a little bit about how you have a family business that does like your family business does something related to cleaning waterways and and protecting coasts from climate change is that where you still work yes okay so yes. i'm talking to you from the office right now amazing could you tell me maybe a little bit about that uh what is it that you exactly do uh how does it help clean the waterways um yeah just a little bit about about that so basically there's multiple things that uh, dredging uh, uh, works for um, so uh, the climate So is the company aspect... called the company is called dredging No no the company is called Satco uh, but Sacco, the okay. industry we mostly work for work in is the dredging industry uh, I'm not sure I, I know what that means Okay, so dredging. Dredge, dredging, basically, I'll explain to you briefly what dredging is. Dredging is basically the removal of sediment, okay, from beneath the water, okay? That is the okay. act of dredging, of removing sand from the seafloor, okay? So yeah, why, would, why would someone want to remove sand from the seafloor, Okay or not sand, sediment, because it, it can be rock, it can be uh, clay, it can be anything. Uh, so uh, let's say you have a coastline, the Mediterranean coastline, for example. Uh, I know you, you were in Sahel this uh, summer. Uh, I don't know uh, exactly where along the coastline you went to, but I'm pretty sure one of the areas you went to, you'd find rock on the coast, you'd find... Uh, that the sand has been eroded and you can see bare rock yes. and people are complaining more about rock that's showing uh, and they would say hey it wasn't it didn't used to be like this there used to be only sand there used to be so and so and so that's so what you true. have yeah that's what so i what felt have, at least yeah yeah so what you have is coastal erosion uh happening from the waves hitting the beach uh um, and over time, climate change, as the water level rises, you have this erosion happening further and further inland. Uh, so what you had as a coastline will become uh, 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 smaller and your coastline will shift backwards. So if you had people living on the coast, they would, uh, basically the waves would hit their 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 uh, uh, houses, their houses or yeah. the their sand or 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 earth that the house is built on would start eroding because of the erosion of uh, 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 sediments next to it uh, and the effect of the water etc uh, etc et so dredging what does dredging do um, dredging actually the the biggest country who's uh, 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 who is involved in dredging and they're the best at is uh, the Netherlands. And why are Netherlands uh, great at dredging is because the Netherlands is below sea level. So it's a country that's below sea level. And they are afraid that as climate and global warming happens, that their whole country will be underwater. So they started, uh, so 
they need to protect themselves. They need to save the whole country. So they got really good at dredging and dredging. Basically, they would take sand from inside of the, of, of the sea and they would spray it all, or, all over the coastline. So the coastline that, that got, was getting eroded became reclaimed. So instead of your coastline getting eroded, you would, you would extend your coastline and have sand that you got that you sprayed onto from the, you got from the using the dredge onto the coastline. She would protect the beach. Do you understand the explanation? Well, yes. or do you? Think? Yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. So it's kind of so, trying to prevent the water from shifting exactly. inland. Exactly. So okay. so yeah. So a dredge is a boat. Basically, it's a boat that sucks sand from from the seafloor. Could be one kilometer in, two kilometers, or whatever, and then. Uh, 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 takes that sand and basically you can deposit it wherever you want. So, if, and, if and that kind of to... helps with with the rising sea levels. So that's exactly it's called beach okay. nourishment. Beach, beach nourishment. nourishment. Okay. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So you're nourishing the beach uh, to uh, help with uh, not necessarily rising sea level because you can have a rising sea level, but you know the erosion isn't that much. It's mostly against erosion, coastal erosion. So it's the rising sea level with the, um, with, uh, the effect of erosion. Um, another aspect that's happening uh, is that you have uh, some lakes in, uh, in the Delta region uh, that are becoming uh, evaporated. Uh, like completely, like they're yes. just turning dry. Yes, they're turning dry, which is a result of many things. It's a result of, of the locals throwing stuff in the water and the, and the uh, uh, the the depth of the lake became li- much less and and just the and there was some of the locals living around taking some of the water and turning it into farmlands, which became small. So basically, a lot of different combinations. Uh, sewage going and killing all the fish and a bunch of different combinations that are leading to basically the death of this lake. Uh, and of course, the government took notice to it and are trying to, of course, uh, 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 basically revive the lake back to its um, previous uh, um, uh, like size and depth and everything. Um, so, so dredging also helps with that, cleaning everything and cleaning everything from the water and making, making the, the depth lower and removing all the, whatever rubbish, sand, whatever extra things are in, are in the lake. So, uh, so, so yeah, would so it, would it do the same thing it does for sand for, um, like garbage or plastic? Like would it pull plastic and then kind of. Do it like that? Is, is that a part if, of it? If, if there is plastic that is uh, in a large area, so let's say like the the great garbage patch, if you heard of that. Yes. Yeah, of Pacific. course. Yeah. So, so if there is a place where there is plastic and you know there is a lot of plastic, then yeah, it can. But I think the, 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 the problem with plastic is that it's scattered everywhere. 
and 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 yeah, not just that small think, too. yeah yeah the mic especially the microplastics that's even worse yeah because that is um these are like microscopic pieces so so you can't even see them um but and you see that be- a lot in the north coast lately like this past year was my first year if you get a like a strainer or a musfire and take some sand and just kind of like put the sand away you're actually going to end up with like a bunch of like really small plastic like yeah, all the different yeah. colors you know red blue and and, and you, you never know, know what problem. it is it's just yeah. plastic and you know the problem with microplastics is that um they uh, 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 uh that a lot of the companies that uh, are advertised as biodegradable uh, are That's not actually them. biodegradable yeah. uh, because what they do is that they, yes, the plastic bag degrades faster, it degrades in a month or two, but it's but still it degrading into, into microplastic. Plastic, <laughs> into microplastic, exactly. So it, it is degrading, but it, it is just degrading into microplastics. And, um, and that's the main uh, issue now. The, e, the EU Parliament. Hello? Yeah, I, I can hear you. Your voice kind of went further for a second. Oh. Yeah, now it's back. Perfect. Yeah, you can hear me? Yeah, loud uh, and clear. Which the EU Parliament uh, uh, basically picked up on uh, last year. And uh, a lot of uh, the companies now are switching to being um, what they call as compostable. So, uh, so basically you can literally throw your plastic bag in your garden and it will uh, become fertilizer. Um, And it it does not have any plastic. It's made from organic matter. And it hasn't there, you know, it hasn't been perfected yet, uh, especially for plastic alternatives. Uh, But there is a lot of research being done on it on what's the best material to use. Yeah. I think we're, we're getting a little bit better with that. Like at least in terms of, um, People trying to figure out what to do with it, like people trying to figure out what's the the best way to, yeah. to, to approach it. I'm just going to ask you for one second. I need to get my laptop charger. Just one second. <laughs> um. Um, okay, well, that's, uh, that's amazing. I did not know something like that existed. I was definitely aware about the, the rising sea levels. <clears throat> and I, uh, I read it, quite a scary article, actually, about a year and a half ago, about how the Delta area and Alexandria is expected to experience a lot of like um, rising sea levels. And maybe in 50 years, that whole part is kind of like what you were talking about with the Netherlands. 
but then hearing that there are technologies like that kind of makes me feel that, okay, that's not necessarily going to happen. Maybe we can uh, still turn the boat around, which is, uh, which is very cool. Mm. Um, okay. So uh, again, that's, that's amazing. And definitely after podcast, want to talk to you more about that, but uh, something else I always like to ask anyone that I host on here is like you, you had a, an amazing life path so far, you know, I mean, you've been to Canada, uh, you did a lot of cycling, you crossed Europe, you crossed Asia, North to South and East to West for Europe. Um, walking a path of life like that comes with a, with a lot of challenges. So I was kind of wanting to ask you, what were like some of the biggest challenges that you had um, in your life? And you were saying earlier that you're, kind of preparing to do something new in the next little bit. So maybe what were some of the challenges you already overcame and what are some of the challenges you currently see on your path going forward um, with what you're doing? So uh, one of my major, uh, like my main goals right now, um, which started after I uh, uh, completed, uh, you know, my walk and, and all these things, I, I saw a lot of wildlife, which I was telling you about. And one of my main things now is wildlife conservation. Uh, and uh, one of my next projects is basically, um, I, it's, I can't reveal a lot of details, but what of I can course. tell you is, is, is that there is a specific species of animal that is critically endangered uh and basically no one knows that it exists in egypt um and uh it was last seen 20 years ago in 1998 wow. uh by a research team from university of pennsylvania and another uh, uh, local university here um so right now no one knows what its status is is it still in egypt is has it have have they uh, uh, gone extinct uh, nothing it's never been photographed nothing so my next project basically which i'm working with a few different entities here uh, is basically uh, doing this little documentary and uh, trying to find this uh, animal which we don't know whether it's still alive or not uh which when people so, know so you're gonna you're gonna go on a hunt for an animal that no one has seen in 20 years yes no one, I love no that. one <laughs> has seen no one has seen and and no one even knows that it it, it existed in egypt because it's such a uh an animal that you're like what this this lives here i thought they don't live in, live in egypt so you know and hopefully we do find them um and we do something to protect them, to conserve them. Uh, and it raises, to raise awareness about, you know, wildlife and then also, yeah, taking care of, you know, what's around us, what's sharing our planet with us. So we're not alone on the planet, you know, and, and, and uh, we need to be conscious of, 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 you know, everything, not just other people, but other animals, plants, everything uh we all rely on the same things so um so yeah 
So that's my next project. So, so that's maybe so that's maybe your next biggest challenge is going out to find an animal that you haven't found in 20 years, which is which is insane. Uh, what was maybe some of the challenges you already overcame, but you felt like like maybe in one of your hikes there was, or sorry, one of your cycling uh, trips, you had like a really hard challenge. Like I know stuff like that. Like I hike out here a lot in the Rockies. And a lot of times I get challenges. Some of it is like, well, we're in the middle of a hike and now there's two bears in the trail. So we need to go back or just things like that. Um, so I was kind of curious, was there any, oh, I'm sure there was, uh, but is there anything that comes to your mind about like something that happened while you were on one of your trips or one of your adventures that made you like think like, oh my there's God, a like, what am I doing? Like, the list is, is there's a big list of things that happened that either I felt, you know, um, danger or, or it was maybe a life and death situation, uh, you know, ranging from, you know, getting uh, kind of nearly uh, uh, mugged or, or uh, you know, nearly in Cambodia by, uh, you know, like a child gang. Um, to like getting stuck in a thunderstorm in, in the Apennino Mountains in Italy and having a lightning basically like touch down maybe like a few meters away from me. Um, oh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of different things. However, like I can't say that you're asking like overcame, um, right? You, you mentioned that word overcame, right? Yeah, or uh, overcame or just, like, went through, like, you know okay. what I mean? Be- because I, like, p- part of my, like, life ethos is that there is never, like, a finish line. There is never something that you say, hey, you know, I'm, 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 I'm done or, or this is what I'm, I'm, I'm doing and this, I, I finished and this is it. It's, it's always, you know, it's pretty dynamic. Like, like what you feel is, is not just your goal or what you feel you want to be or, or um, your vision of who you are in the future. It's pretty dynamic. So uh, my own opinion, uh, I'll never feel that it's like going to be done or be just saying hey i overcame this or i accomplished this i'm i'm done now um so uh so yeah so it's kind of like with each thing that's been done and each experience that i experience there's something more that i view or there's something more that i look ahead to Uh, first of all just let me say i absolutely love the mindset and i i completely agree things are are never done um and it's just it's just anything that you keep doing just keeps feeding you more and more and as you said it's it's dynamic it's not really oh i finished something now so now it's done like what is done right we're gonna keep living might as well keep doing great things right so (laughs) that's uh that's amazing okay so let me let me flip the question okay uh was there a moment in your life that kind of gave you reassurance of, or made you positive that you are on the on the right path? So I'll share a story. Uh, I started the idea of Thalassins was about a year and three months ago. Uh, what happened is that I've been living in Canada for so long. 
I came back to I came back to Egypt and kind of got there, got stuck there through COVID. Uh, I've always been to like snorkeling, kite surfing, diving, all that stuff. So um, Canada, I had like seven years of university work, just kind of like go go go, and then when when COVID happened, I had like a few months of like things were quiet for the first time in a very long time. So I just instantly went, went back to my old self, you know, picked up my snorkel, picked up my fins and just kind of went back to exploring the small reefs of the Red Sea. Uh, I don't like going to popular reefs. Like, I mean, I love them, but I also have like small nursery reefs that I know of in Rasid there and Ayn Sokhna that not a lot of people think that they're like absolutely beautiful. Uh, but anyways, I remember jumping into these reefs like eight years before that point and they were alive um eight years later i went there and it was they were great there was no colors there was almost no fish so i started looking a little bit more and i like i find a lot of like garbage on the reef so i started you know slowly like as i lick home and just take them out of of the reef anyways that kind of transformed into like beach cleanups and one of the days it was in ramadan not this past one the one before it i did the cleanup maybe like what, like an hour before iftar. And then there was like 20 minutes before uh, the sunset. So I, I went into the, I went to take a, just a quick dip. Um, and I'm just like lying down, you know, I had just did my ACL uh, surgery. So I was still a little bit wobbly. So I'm like doing nothing, lying down in shallow water, like maybe this big. And then I had 20 to like 25 dolphins just like come at me out of nowhere. I kept making noises, wow. they came really close. And yeah. they kept like, like I was standing water here and they kept kind of like circling around me. And I'm like, oh my God, they're going to like hit my leg, right? So <laughs> I put my leg out and I just stayed there for 20 minutes. That moment was like, okay, I know for a fact this happened. And this is kind of just telling me that I need to keep cleaning that place up because I just got thanked by a greater power. For me, that was kind of like their way of being like, you get like keep going. <laughs> so that was my moment that made me, that reassured me and made me positive that this is kind of my calling. So I'm 100% sure you have multiple moments of those. Uh, would love to hear about one that comes to your mind. Sorry, I didn't hear that this part. Can you repeat? Oh, no, I'm just saying, like, I'm sure you have like multiple moments of those, like things that happened in your yeah, that made you yeah, feel like, like, like so I'd, I, I'd love to hear your favorite one maybe <laughs> it's so hard but you know like as I, I said before like in the beginning of uh, the, 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 the talk uh, when I mentioned the word serendipitous so my favorite uh, basically uh, uh, experiences or or uh, uh, events that happen in my life are the ones that are serendipitous, which means uh, it just happens like out of kind of a mixture of luck and fate and a little bit of your planning and and just a bunch of different things that happen that give you this certain experience in your life that if just one thing was a little bit off, it would not have happened. Um, and basically going from, hey, uh, I'm going to buy a bicycle, which was serendipitous, to, to like my coach, uh, the ski coach that I had, 
just happened to turn out that he had cycled across the US, which he's cycled across a continent, which not a lot of people even do. So it's just this these types of luck, which the serendipity, which I view as kind of like has a little bit of meaning that it was kind of it meant to happen. And these are my favorite kind of moments. I see what you mean. Okay. Okay. Is there any like certain situation in mind that you, that you remember that kind of like stands out or were they just all amazing? <laughs> um, okay, let me see. Uh, well, this one's a little bit, um, it's, it's, it's not something like adventure or anything, but it's, it's one of my favorite cause it's, it's, um, it's one of the first times that I, you know, I kind of believed in this positive energy and, and what you give out to the world, you get in return and, 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 and this kind of ethos um, is uh, 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 when I was actually in Canada, I was in Montreal and, uh, and I was walking. Uh, I, I remember I was, I was really into these like outdoor clothes and, and, you know, I was doing, you know, that's different outdoor activities. So I was buying all these different things. So I just got gotten these new outdoor boots to keep me warm and, you know, against the, the snow and the wet and, and the cold and everything. So after maybe around a week, my boots, one of them got uh, uh, like torn from the, uh, from the like sole. I'm like, what, that's expensive. And then like, you know, what happened? How did this happen? And the next day I was, I was walking and I'm really sad about what happened to my boots and I'm wearing different, like my old ones and like, I'm just really upset. And I'm walking down the street really right next to where I was living, like literally like just 20 meters away from where I was living. And I look to the side and I find the shop, the small shop that basically what it does was fix boots so it just specifically it's a small shop that does nothing but fix boots so so i think this uh, i think that it's one of my favorite moments okay. uh, I love you know, that. yeah yeah it's just it was uh, just know, there for you 20 it was 20 just there for me from where you just there for me and 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 it's weird that i never even realized it was there and it's right next to my house, and it came at the time where I really needed it. Uh, so, so yeah. So I these kind of moments they're kind of surreal, and and you feel a little bit of uh, spirituality also with it. Lovely, I love this. Okay, Hemi, I have one more question. Um, sure. It's it's not really a question. It's more like this is a point where I just kind of give you the floor um usually i ask people like you can tell us something you've been working on uh, you can tell us what it's about you can tell us how to help you and support you or if you have a message you want to just tell people so that they are more mindful and they uh, about their whatever it is whether it's the consumption habits or their carbon footprints or um yeah whatever it is like if there's one thing you'd want to tell a group of a large group of people uh what would it be 
well, I'm always, uh, what do I, uh, I'm, I'm usually not, uh, I don't like to tell people what to do uh, because I feel that, uh, you know, there are many things in which you can do the same thing. So, so let's say I want to open a book, uh, for example. I think there are many ways in which you can open a book. There's no one right way. But one thing that I do believe in, which I think everyone should, is basically to uh, follow their uh, uh, gut uh, instinct, uh, what they feel is right. Uh, because what you feel is right is not necessarily what someone else feels is right uh, right can mean you know so many, many different things, things, many different <laughs> things people so but as long as you feel it's right that's the most important thing um, uh, your own uh, instinct about uh, whatever it is you're doing um, so yeah so I think that's one thing I would uh, say follow your heart follow your gut I think that's exactly. amazing yeah. I think that's amazing. Uh, well, Helmi, I don't know, but this has been such a pleasure. I feel so inspired by you <laughs> right now. I kind of just want to go pick up my bike and go down some trails <laughs> right now, to be honest. <laughs> so, I'm yeah, glad maybe, you maybe enjoyed. Maybe I'll do that tonight, actually. <laughs> cool, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, amazing. And uh, again, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. Anytime, my pleasure. I'm, I'm really, I'm really happy uh, we had this discussion. And, um, you know, if there is anything you have, you have a, a, a little bit of an idea about the lessons and what we do, we've been hosting big cleanups in the Red Sea and we will continue to do so at least once every week where we're going out and Amazing. cleaning the beach. Uh, but I am, I am very, uh, when you talked about that thing that kind of like pulls plastic so uh, it's it's something on my mind. So maybe at some point in the future, if uh, if we do find a part in the Red Sea, which I think there will be a part, it won't be anything like the garbage patch. But some some of these currents come sometimes, and they end up getting a bunch of just a lot of plastic bags and stuff floating in the same area. Uh, yeah. If we do if we do find that point, I'll definitely be in contact to see maybe how we can help each other uh, pick them up more efficiently. (laughs) Right on. on. Uh, Okay. Help me. Well, again, thank you so much. That was, uh, that was great. And uh, yeah, I hope you have an amazing day and we'll we'll talk soon. You too. You too. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.